friends, and thanks for listening to the Capital City Soccer Show, your independent source for everything Austin FC. On today's show, we're going to talk about the player moves that have happened since the last episode. Uh, we're going to look at what a potential starting lineup might look like with the 15 players we currently have. And then we're also going to talk about what um, what to expect from the completed roster over the next few weeks or months. So my name is Landon Cottom. I'm joined as always by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley. Hey, everybody. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We we were talking before uh, we got on Landon about our country holidays. Uh, <laughs> so I think we both ended up going to rural Texas and experiencing rural Texans who maybe don't appreciate the severity of sort of the current situation as much as possible. We don't need to, to dwell on that. But the big question is, did you get anything soccer related for Christmas? <laughs> I actually did. Uh, so my sister-in-law got me uh, an Austin FC shirt and then uh, which is which is nice, but then the other thing was the there's on I think on Fanatics there's some Austin FC socks, which are kind of just like the stock like Fanatics sock insert MLS logo here type of thing, which is a thing I, I would have never ever bought myself, but when I got them I was like I'm like these are pretty cool I'm kind of glad <laughs> I have these now. <laughs> what what about you Did you get anything? Yeah, that's like uh, you know. Christmas is, if nothing, but like to get you things that that you didn't really need, but you appreciate. So I did not get any soccer things for Christmas. Um, I appreciated the restraint of all the people that showed their jersey, like their Christmas jerseys they got from their family. Because, <laughs> you know, I think we got it like the the day or the week it came yeah. out. But it was really cool to see how many people open up a bunch of jerseys or shirts or whatever it was um, over the holiday. I think my season tickets, my wife has told me or my Christmas gift for this year and probably every and gift for the year. future. Yeah, and next year. Yeah. So we'll just go with that. I think probably most people I, I don't know if this is the case for you but for me I think most people just assumed that I already have everything that I want like soccer related and so they don't even bother trying to buy it. But um what about what about New Year's Eve? Do you guys have any any fun plans for for the the limited New Year's Eve that we're going to have? So we so I have this childlike love of fireworks and like a grown up ability to pay for them. So <laughs> we're going to early in the evening, right? You know, cause it gets dark so early now when the kids are up and you know, before they go to bed, we're going to shoot off some socially irresponsible um, fireworks and enjoy that. Uh, and my nine year old asked if he could stay up until midnight and we were very <laughs> much against that. And so he, he told us he was going to pretend to go to sleep at like nine o'clock and then stay awake for three hours. But I have a feeling watch, that watch the East East coast feed of the ball drop. Yeah. He's not going to know. We show him last year's. So <laughs> we'll be fine. How about y'all? Uh, I, I don't, we're probably just going to order food and sit at home and do nothing and try to probably same thing. Try to stay up, stay up long enough for the East coast ball drop and then go to bed. Um, I feel I feel like you're probably a person who has some wild New Year's Eve stories from from your past, Jeremiah. Is can you think of a particularly fun story from New Year's Eve one a year? A particularly fun. Well, so this was this is only a couple years ago, but um we had a friend um who knew a guy who was like played piano in a piano bar. Um like is a job, like is his part-time job and they actually like had him come to their house and had like piano bar night like in the house for a new year's eve party it's like he came in brought the piano bar piano like took requests did songs did like all the dumb piano bar games that you play where you know you like give money to play one song and another song and it was just like it was like being in a bar but in somebody's house in a neighborhood and then you just got to like stumble home afterwards so it felt, it felt pretty great that's pretty cool i was expecting something a little more wild than that because i, I know most of our listeners 
they they hear like dad Jeremiah on this show most <laughs> of the time, but there's also like Tito's Jeremiah who if you mention like a band from like the 80s or 90s, he's like, "Oh yeah, I was doing shots on their tour bus back in 92." <laughs> and he he just seems to always have a a story for for things like that. So I'll let you I'll let you if you want to add another story I'll let you but I'll let you slide this time if you if you don't want to share anything else. Well, you know, as a professional drinker for much of the 90s and 2000s, like New Year's Eve was such an amateur night, you know, we tended to like not make a wild night out of it because you had these people who only got got crazy like once a year and you you know, you you wanted to make sure and be safer out of it. So, no, oh, that's like usually the safest night I have other than blowing stuff up. <laughs> All right. Uh, should we move on to talking about some Austin FC signings? Yeah, let's talk about some players. We added um, several. What was it? Five in and one out. Yeah, um, yeah. We time. we somehow lost one too. So, yeah, Joe Corona with his second shortest career in Austin FC history <laughs> somehow already. Even yeah, after he, after Kamal Miller. After Kamal Miller. So let's start with a big name, and I'll go over a little bit of a bio um, on him, and maybe you can add some color to to what we can expect and. Kind of what they've done. The first one, this is the biggest name we have is Alex Ring. Uh, he's 29. He is 5'9". He is from Helsinki, Finland. Um, played four years with NYCFC. Started 119 of 120 matches um, in the midfield. And he was the team captain too, right? I think he was, I was reading this. Yeah. He was like the second second captain in club history. So obviously somebody that was very familiar um, with Claudio. Somebody that was really well respected. They did a bunch of nice tribute videos and things like that for him on social when he signed with Austin and um, where do you, where do you see him slotting in and what, what do you know about his game? Um, I am a big Alex ring fan. This is not a player I ever thought would even be possible for us to get. Like it's never really crossed my mind, but whenever I saw that news come in, I was very excited about it. He's um, he's a guy who can play, he can play pretty much anywhere in the midfield. His strongest position is going to be kind of, in a holding midfield role, whether that's in like a double pivot or just like a, a number six, kind of an attack minded number six. Um, I've, I think it was in an interview with Claudio. I don't remember who was interviewing him, but I think he's explicitly said that we are, we're planning on playing him at the six. So um, we'll talk about formation and stuff a little bit later, but guessing if that's in a four, two, three, one, or like a four, three, three, he's going to be kind of that string puller, in in the midfield kind of setting setting the tempo in the midfield but uh he's also a a decent defensive presence um i i would i don't really want to make this comparison because i know it has a lot of negative connotations with people but think like michael bradley when he was better at defense (laughs) just kind of like he's not going to go in and just like destroy anyone but just like really smart positioning and knows where to be um and is is really useful on defense, but his what he can bring on offense is also really special. So I'm I'm really high on this signing. I would say he's at this point um, our first or second best player on the team. Um, maybe maybe I would say Cecilio is better than him, but I I really like Alex Ring. Yeah, and so the other comparison to Bradley that I, I hear is like he actually completes passes to his own teammates. Also, is that right? He's not a yes. He's, he's, he's not, a, not a turnover a good passer of the ball. He'll uh, he a decent long range shot as well. He'll hit a banger every once in a while. So yeah, it not not just a not just a defensive six. He'll he'll be he'll contribute on offense as well. That's yeah. He should be really um, a really exciting player 
to have. And we'll give this away and say like our buddy Phil West um, was very, very excited about, about <laughs> it the night before, right? Because Phil, you know, he writes for the club and, and he knows, you know, he knows before anybody knows. And so he was just, he was over the moon. So it's definitely a Phil West endorsed move too, for those of you that value that. Uh, so he should be a nice addition. So the second person um, that we'll, we'll talk about uh, is Hector Jimenez from uh, very recently from Columbus Crew SC spent what three what seven years in Columbus um, then a little bit of time with the Galaxy before then I think this is a common theme that we're going to hear from among the players that we've added as they spent some time in Columbus um, or, or NYCFC or New York yeah. <laughs> or both right I think at least one of the keepers spent time in both or did they both do that um, yeah Brad Stu wait yeah Brad Stuver was in in both. He went from Columbus to New York. Yeah. Um, but yeah, him and as, uh, they list him as a midfielder, but he's also played in several, he's played a spots. lot of left back. Yeah. He's played some right back. So pretty much anywhere, like on the outside flank, he's played quite a bit. Um, I was looking to see if he had played any like central midfield or anything. I didn't see many instances of that. So primarily like an outside player, um, but I'll, I'll, I think most of his minutes historically have come at left back, but, uh, he's, he's listed on the Austin FC roster as a midfielder. So I don't know if, if that means anything or if they just had to put him somewhere. So they put him as a midfielder, but, um, it's, I haven't seen much video on him yet, but it seems to be a very versatile player can like can play a lot of positions. Um, or seems to be a great guy just from what all the, the folks in Columbus were saying and people in the league were saying, I, I think, um, Pete Edwards, one of the owners of the Columbus yeah. crew tweeted something out about him saying like how good of a person he is. And so I would say, and it seems like this from not just these new signings, but the ones that we already had since the last episode, um, it seems like Austin FC's putting together just like a group of good guys, um, which it's that alone isn't going to win you games, but it, it will help with kind of that bonding experience at the beginning and good locker room presences, good dudes to be around people that you want to spend your time with. It seems like most or all of the players that have come in, we've seen the, their old fan bases saying how much they like these guys. We're going to miss these guys. Austin, please take care of this guy for us and, and things like that. And I think probably Jimenez is one of the ones that we've seen the most of that kind of outpouring for. Yeah. And on the other side of it, like the awful Columbus crew trolls on big soccer were like super upset about that. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like the one that they like most, like couldn't even believe you would ever, you know, belittle himself to come play for Austin. So that's, that's also a positive response, I guess, in my book. And that means 32. Um, he's a little bit older and he hasn't played a ton, but he does, he seems like, um, you know, like a glue guy that'll pull it all together. And one of the things that we talked a little bit about that, seems like that we're shooting for is the fact that you're trying to build an expansion team in a pandemic, the more familiarity that players have with the system, with the coaches, with each other, the better. And I think that's one of the common themes for why we have so many people, uh, players from either New York or Columbus together, because that'll hopefully make them gel quicker than they would have otherwise. Yeah. I think also just like MLS is a league where I've, I've said this before and I'll say it many, many times again. It's like, you have to, you, you can't afford to miss on players. And so if you have some of these like lower, like less expensive guys that you know that you like and you trust to be some of these role players on the team, then 
it's a safe bet to bring those guys in because you know how much they cost and you know exactly what you're getting. They're, they're known quantities. And so, um, rather than take, take a, take the risk on somebody you don't know who might be the same price or a little bit more expensive. If Claudio or Josh or both of them know exactly who this player is and exactly what they're getting and, and know what they cost, then, then it's, it's just seems like a safer bet in a league like MLS. So I think it makes sense to bring in guys like Jimenez and, and uh, Stuver and all these other guys who have experience with either Claudio or Josh or both of them. Yeah. And, Exactly. I mean, all things being equal, why not go with somebody you have familiarity and, and that kind of rapport with? Um, then we the the next player we got uh, is our third uh, member of Club Waterney, and I want to <laughs> I want to harken back. So his name is Johan Romagna. He is twenty two. He's from Colombia, six um, one defender. And I want to think back to a show. Um, it's been it's been months ago now, where you're like you wanted a guy that could like cause some trouble, pick up a yellow card, like really just kind of get in. Um, you know, and maybe play a little bit dirty and be a little bit of an enforcer. And that seems like, he seems like the guy to do that. So can you, can you talk a little bit about him? Yeah. So you, he's, he like plays that way, but also seems like a really nice guy. Uh, just like, I was going to ask, like, yeah, I didn't know if you knew about him off the field, but yeah, like on the field, he seems like the kind of guy that can fill that spot. I've watched some just like Instagram videos and like interactions between him and his teammates. And he, he seems like a nice, like kind of like, He's not like a super out there guy, like kind of a shy, I don't know if he's shy, but he's, he like, doesn't, uh, put out a ton of like, if you watch, look at Cecilio's, uh, social media, like Cecilio is a character, like he's going to bring some, some like flavor to the team. And Romagna kind of seems a little more low key than that. So I think he's kind of the best of both of those things, like a really nice guy, but on the field, he's, he's kind of an animal and, and is a big athletic guy that like can step through someone's leg and it, it whenever he needs to. So, uh, I think we talked about him on the last show, didn't we a little bit? Yeah, we did. I think we did a little bit because it was a rumor and he wasn't, he wasn't on board yet. So do you see him with what we have now slotting in as one of the regular members of the starting 11 at this point? Yeah, I think so. What I hope and I think and hope is going to happen is that we'll bring in another center back as like our nailed on, guy like our our starter always and then having uh Romagna and uh Cascante compete for that other spot um I could also see something where they they bring in like a younger guy maybe pick one of the top center backs in the draft in the super draft coming up in a couple of weeks and have uh, Cascante be that that nailed on starter and have Romagna and the other person compete for the other spot that take that approach would seem a little bit more risky to me, but I do, I, I think Romagna will definitely get, uh, get minutes this year and have the opportunity to, to compete for a starting position for sure. And he's, he's a player who he is still some like pretty raw, like the ability is definitely there. Um, he's a very talented player, but I think he does and will continue to need some coaching over the next couple of years. And so I think putting him into a system, having him coached in that system is going to do a lot for him. But uh, we're we're probably going to have some like frantic, like pull your hair out moments with Johan Romagna next season, just because he is a little bit raw. He's he's a very like gung ho, all action defender. And so he's going to run all over the place and like 
make do some really exciting things, but sometimes they're not going to end so well for for him or for Austin FC. So, um, yeah, I I think high upside for sure, but definitely going to have uh, some some dynamic failures as well. So, how is he on the ball? You know, we've talked about um, Joss's philosophy and looking for for center backs who can maybe move the ball forward more than just being shut down defenders. Have you seen enough of him to have an opinion on that? Yeah, I I actually watched some video of him on the ball. I think it was last week, but um I don't I don't I wasn't super impressed with his passing of the ball. Uh but he is very comfortable with the ball at his feet and pushing forward. He does that for Guarani a lot. Um like I've said this about Cascante before, but if they're ever not pressuring those center backs, then he's going to push it forward until someone makes him pass it essentially. And then also do you'll see him do that kind of Walker Zimmerman run where he passes it to a midfielder and then keeps running, looking for kind of that one, two pass going through the middle and kind of just keep going until uh, he's not involved in the play anymore. So he likes to get forward and he's, he's decent at it. So I think that's probably something that, um, that caught Wolf's and uh, and Reina's eye whenever, and and they said this right. They said they were watching Cecilio and Rodney play, kind of just doing some scouting, and and uh, Romagna caught their eye. Like it wasn't, it it was not like on their radar initially until they had two other guys playing on that team. And I think that's probably one of the things that caught their eye is his ability to push the ball forward on his own. So he seemed to fit in with what they were going to do. Did you see that? I think it was the one picture on Twitter of like the three of them and one other guy together, like give it like a hug after the semifinal yeah. match. They could, that, that four fourth guy probably wishes he could come along, maybe in luggage, <laughs> yeah. be, be part of the team too, since they're, they're officially Austin's club. Um, well, let's go, let's talk about uh, goalkeepers, which I think has been a position of a lot of interest. Um, <laughs> yeah. We, we had very firm opinions about what maybe they should or should not have done in the expansion draft uh, in that area and talked about what, the future might hold and we know a little bit more about it. And so we picked up two keepers. Um, one would seem to definitely have the leg up and be in the starter. And that's Andrew Tarbell, um, who was in Columbus uh, in 2020 and started seven, seven regular season games, but he started, but two, two playoff matches too. Right. And right, both those yeah. playoff, both those playoff matches. Eloy Room. Yeah. Uh, Eloy Room was out for uh, cr- uh coronavirus protocol and, uh, Tarbell stepped in for two matches and looked good in those two games. Yeah, he had, the, both those games were shutouts. And then he had he had experience in San Jose before then, including one awful 2018 season, which I think is what everybody focused on. But as somebody else pointed out, you know anybody anybody in San Jose for a full season is probably in in for a long ride. Um, but I mean, he has you know he's 27. Um, he's got a lot of upside. He's from Louisiana. I read all. He's from uh, Mandeville, Louisiana, and I read a whole bunch of like hometown newspaper articles about him today and it was really it was like his coach it's like when he was nine i knew he was special like it was so good and he was but even then they all these articles talked about um to your point about him being like a leader on and off the field and like a good person and you know just um somebody that you want to be around and spend time around and committed and always learning so that seems to be um the common thread among those what what do you what do you have that you'd like to add about tarbell yeah i think he's one of those guys like um, he's not been a, a nailed on starter for a really good team yet. Like, like you said, he started in San Jose quite a few games, but San Jose were bad for most or all of that time. And so it's hard to judge how good he is, 
Uh, and then the sample size in Columbus was small. I think he played like seven total games this year and looked looked good in most of those games, but it's a small sample size. So in the bright flashes he had in Columbus, he could be a really good keeper, but it's it's just hard to know and a little bit makes me a little bit nervous to say like this is definitely our guy going into this season. Yeah, he could be. The other guy we got today was Brad Stuver uh, from NYCFC. Um, and he is even, he's what, how many games has he even played? Did, did you he's look played up? a total of nine MLS games and he's 29 years old. So I think it's like five or six seasons in MLS and he's played nine games total. Yet again, everybody loves him. They made a really nice video about him. <laughs> His wife asked for breakfast taco recommendations uh, on Twitter this morning and you had a bit of Twitter insight, I think. Was it you about yeah. his wife? Yeah. So Let's his, talk about that. His wife has been following me on Twitter for months now and like interacts with a lot of Austin FC content. And so I was like, I kind of think we're going to sign this guy because <laughs> he was, he's a free agent. So it wasn't a, so he could have, this could have been in the works for a long time for him. Right. So, um, yeah, she's just seems, they both seem like really lovely people, but, um, yeah, she was she was diving in this morning asking for breakfast taco recommendations and all kinds of stuff. So I think they're going to be really excited to be here. Uh, again, he's I, I think I read somewhere that he had done some goalkeeper coaching as well at some point. Yeah, yeah, he's done that too. So one of the theories that we heard is maybe he's here to you know provide depth and also um, you know help move along our young uh, young keeper. Um, but he seems like a really bright guy, like you said. Um, not a lot of experience, um, but both. But he has the two. He checks the two boxes of having played for both Columbus and NYCFC. So yeah. everybody should be familiar with him. <laughs> yeah. So we'll we'll talk about depth chart here in a little bit uh, after we cover all the ins and outs. But um, do you want to move on to to our but, our to last the out? out player? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. Joe Corona did not spend very long in Austin. Uh, could you? Who was it? Was it Tom Bogert that had the tweet that kind of talked about it being like? peak MLS what happened with him so walk us through the story about his career in Austin I don't I still don't fully understand how these mechanisms work but essentially because LA Galaxy did not exercise the option on Joe Corona's contract he did not have a contract which means that whenever we picked him in the expansion draft he did not like we don't have a contract with him. It essentially gave us the right to negotiate a contract with him before anyone else gets a chance to. Um, we were apparently not able to do that. It, they they couldn't reach a number that fit both parties' plans. And so he did not withdraw his name from the reentry draft, which would have been, had he not been chosen in the uh, in the expansion draft, that would have been where he went next, was into the reentry draft. And so... Um, uh, an example of this is Danny Hoosen. That would have also been his next his next uh, stop was the reentry draft. He, I don't know if that contract is done yet, but he chose to withdraw his name from the reentry draft, which means he's happy with what's what's happening in Austin right now, and like they're going to get a contract done. Um, Corona, that did not happen there, so uh, he ended up being chosen by Houston in the reentry draft, which means that. Houston Dynamo now owns the rights to sign Joe Corona in MLS. So right now it looks like they're in negotiations. Uh, I've read some rumors saying that he might hold out on them as well if he doesn't get a really high number and just try to go back to Mexico. Um, Because 
I think, tell me if you, if you understood this differently, but I think if, uh, even if, if Houston offers a, like a bona fide contract offer to him, what MLS views as bona fide and he decides not to sign it, I think Houston keeps his rights. Yeah, I don't think there's any. I don't think there's any letting go of it at that point. So I mean, so if he wanted to come back, like if he went to Mexico and then decided to come back, I think Houston would still own the rights to sign him and could then sell those or negotiate a contract with him if he decided to come back to MLS. But um, I think yeah, the the steps right now are either he signs with Houston or he leaves the league and goes back to uh, to Mexico where he played several several years. So uh, we'll we'll keep an eye on that. But as far as from an Austin FC perspective, what is your take on that whole situation? Like I have to, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I, was, I just I have to think that there was there's another thing they could have done with that. I mean, I understand like in a vacuum taking that shot, you know, and getting a getting a known name and a person that you can pencil into the lineup. You know, Wellhausen and I obviously have different opinions on like how happy <laughs> we would be about that, but um, you know, and trying to negotiate it, but given the list of people available, I'm not I'm not very excited excited about that. And I would love to know kind of why they chose to do that as opposed to doing, you know, something else and taking one of the other, you know, maybe players that were known commodities that we could have, we could have definitely gotten something out of. Yeah. And I, I think you'll agree with me on this is that it's not necessarily that I'm upset about not having Joe Corona on the team. I think he would have been like, he's, he's a proven player in MLS. We know he's pretty good. Um, but it's more about like that wasted expansion draft pick. And so the, from quotes, going into the expansion draft and then uh, quotes afterwards, this seems like a thing that that Josh and Claudio knew could happen. And it was a risk that they were willing to take. Um, but yeah, it's it's hard not to to be a little bit disappointed in in the decision making there because there were players in available in the expansion draft that would have been starters. Like you could have picked this guy and put him into the lineup and guys who were not out of contract that wouldn't have been able to leave. So that that part of it is a little bit disappointing to me. Um, I think if if we go out and are able to sign some more free agents that are able to slot into the spot that Corona would have filled, I don't think this ends up being a huge deal um, because expansion draft picks like they're not always going to work out. As long as you're not spending a ton of money on them, then then I don't think that's that's a big deal. I think where it becomes a big deal is if. Uh, a month from now, we still have a big glaring hole in central midfield and we have to go out and buy someone, like actually pay allocation money to bring them in. That's a big miss because if you could get someone for free uh, and then ended up letting them leave and then have to pay money to bring someone else in, I think that is, that's where it becomes a much bigger deal in my eyes anyway. Yeah, I agree. And that's just one of these things that we keep saying that I think we all get a little bit frustrated by at this point is we have to let this all play out, but I mean, we're like, we're fans and it's our first team and we haven't even had a season. So like we have no patience to let these things play out. But I have to imagine like, uh, you know, it's like Oreo Rossell is somebody who could have played in the midfield that was there in the expansion draft. Right. And just knowing that potential right now and not knowing is what's to come is what makes it um, so frustrating. Um, and I want to add one other player rumor cause it won't go away. Miguel Lyon, um, <laughs> Again, popped up again, and I don't know if it's just like the Trail of Lights picture keeps replicating itself across the globe or what, but we saw that again a few days ago, the rumor that he was close to signing with Austin FC. Can you talk about why that is complete nonsense? Yeah, so part of the reason is, so the the account that kind of 
got this new this new round of rumors going is one that I've seen pop up on Twitter and in group chats and stuff. The reason their name has popped up is because people keep saying like, this person doesn't know what they're talking about and they keep getting <laughs> these wrong. <laughs> but the other reason why I think it's not going to happen is um, I think But whenever the rumors are going around at first, we had we still had two players, right? Is that all we right, had? Right, right, yeah. yeah. Okay, so yeah, so sure. Yeah, Miguel Layun fits into this roster because there is no roster. Uh, but now... We spent a lot of money on bringing in Nick Lima. I think he's our probably like fourth most expensive player at this point in time. Uh, and Nick Lima is a right back. He can play some left back, but he's a right back. And Miguel Ayun can play other spots, but his main position is at right back. And so I just don't understand a reality where we are going to spend that much money on two guys whose strongest position is the same. And so I would be shocked and probably pretty disappointed if we brought in Layun at this point because I just don't understand where he would fit in this roster with with the pieces we have so far yeah it doesn't really seem to make make much sense so I guess we'll look elsewhere for our, our Mexican national team player that may or may not come that we all that we all kind of <laughs> want but yeah well, maybe some maybe something in the midfield I saw that rumor but then if you look at available like there's there's a need and it's exciting, but there's not like players that actually fit that mold that we can afford that, that, that fit in there. Yeah. Um. So there's two. I've looked in two places. You keep building like starting lineups, but every time we every time we sign somebody, and then there's like a guy on Reddit who does it with FIFA. Um. And I appreciate that both you both of y'all's commitment to that. So let's <laughs> we'll we'll put this in the show notes, like this picture. Um, but can you kind of talk through where you see the lineup um, being as of right now? And then maybe we can cover a little bit about where we see the the biggest needs to fill um, out of that. Yeah. So the 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 first one of these that I did it was because I got really excited that we actually had 11 players and it was like an 11 that you could field like it wasn't they weren't all in their best positions, but you could field this 11 and be playing players at positions that they at least somewhat kind of play. And so I, I was very excited about that. And so I've just been kind of updating that as we go. But um, yeah, let's just kind of like build it from the back. And you can tell me if you agree or disagree or have any questions about any of my decisions here. But um, whenever I tweeted this out last time, we hadn't signed Stuver yet. So going back to the whole goalkeeper conversation. I think whenever we had signed Tarbell and picked Brady Scott in the expansion draft, um, a lot of people were kind of expecting us to bring in someone who is going to be like our number one guy. And now that we've brought Stuver in, most MLS teams carry three goalkeepers. And if the ones that have four, it's because one of them is 16 years old or something like that. And so with these three guys being like where they are in their careers, I'm almost positive these are the three guys. So one of these three guys is going to be our starting keeper next year. And I think that part of it is what makes a little like some people a little bit uneasy just because none of them have actually been a consistent starting goalkeeper before. So I think my pick for now is still going to be Tarbell uh, for the starting goalkeeper. I think it's close enough that uh, come preseason camp in January, whenever they all report to uh, to training, I think it'll be up like it's up for competition and I, which is a good thing. We want people pushing each other and, and feeling like they're not just written and pinned into the lineup. They have to work for it and really earn it. But um, I, I think for now, Tarbell is still going to be our number one until proven otherwise. 
Yeah, I agree with that. And the more I read about him today, the more I liked him. And the comparison that I think everybody hopes works out is the Tyler Miller one. In that, you know, Tyler Miller had started, I think, two matches in his career before he went to LAFC. And then obviously that turned out to be, you know, he was the goalkeeper on the best club in the league in 2018. So like it can work out that way. And I'm glad to see that um, Tarbell has some league experience. I mean, I feel okay there. You know, again, depending upon what, what's in front of him and the rest of the roster, like I don't feel that that's a spot of glaring weakness. Yeah. And I think one thing that's worth bringing up is that these guys were playing behind some of the best goalkeepers in the league, right? So Tarville was behind Eloy Room in Columbus, which Eloy Room has been great this season. Uh, and then uh, Stuver was behind um, Johnson in NYCFC. Johnson's been getting national team call ups and things like that over the last year. So it's not like they were second choice behind bad keepers on bad teams. They were second choice behind some of the best in the league on, on pretty good teams. So, um, I, yeah, I, I don't like, I'm still a little bit nervous and I'm not 100% confident, but I'm also not like panicking about it. I think these guys will be okay. And one thing I think we had an exchange on Twitter in some conversation earlier today, if you have a really good back line, then it's it's okay if you don't have an amazing goalkeeper, right? So let's move on to talking about the the defensive backline and uh, go through my my picks there. This one's a little bit easier because we only have like four people who are like full time defenders. So um, left back, I've got Ben Sweat, and then I put uh, Jimenez as the backup there. But Jimenez could be the backup at like four other positions as well. <laughs> so um, yeah, Sweat at left back. Uh, I have Cascante at left center back. He's played on the left quite a bit in Portland. I think most of his minutes were at left center back uh, in Portland. Uh, Romagna on the right, and then Lima at right back. Um, I, that's that's a a starting backline that I think would be as good or better than some in MLS currently. So if we could add one more strong center back option to that lineup, I'd be pretty happy with that. Yeah, the sweat Lima parts of it, the outside backs or the the fullbacks, like I, I totally agree. I mean, I think we're we're set for starters. You know, I mean, you're going to need some amount of depth, but I'd be very happy going into the season with that. Um, yeah, and I think you're right. I mean, in Cascante and Romagna, um, there's a lot of potential for disaster there, right? And excitement. <laughs> so we need somebody. Um, and I mean, do you have any anybody in mind? Do you have a dream person who'd be your locked on no center idea. back? You know? I mean. MLS is weird. You 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 can't make predictions in this league. But I mean, if we could have somebody, I mean, like Walker Zimmerman would be great, right? But we're not going to get Walker Zimmerman. So um, I don't like. I think like a long shot one would be like someone like Aaron Long. I don't think we're going to get Aaron Long. Uh, but I have no idea. I mean, I I want someone who you just like know like. This guy is a starter. He's a good starter in MLS, where, which is not the case with Cascante and Romagna. They might turn into that, and like in a good system, they might become that. Um, but I'd rather have like at least one of them who we're like positive is going to be a really good player uh, on that back line, and those other two can kind of fight for that other spot. All right, uh, moving into the midfield, um, I've got this lined up in like a four-two-three-one. I've I've I don't think I've heard Wolf say this out loud but i've seen it reported several places like that he's mentioned to certain reporters that it's they'll play in like a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3 which are depending on the movement within the formation can be more or less the same formation kind of depending on how you use it but um but 
uh, they've mentioned that ring is going to be that number six. So like that main holding midfielder is going to be ring. I think that's great. He's our guy. Like he's definitely the starter there. Um, the, I think the, uh, and the, the other person in those two holding mids right now, I have, uh, Ulysses Segura there right now. He is not a player that plays there. So I think that's, um, that's a spot that definitely needs filling right now is kind of that number eight role, kind of like a shuttling midfielder who can defend a little bit and get forward. Um, I, we, we just don't really have anyone on the team right now. I think Jared Stroud has played in that position some, but I wouldn't feel comfortable with him being our like go-to guy in that position. So that is definitely something that we, that Austin FC is going to be needing to fill in the near future. Did, did you have any ideas about that? I think that's one where it makes sense to, to bring in a, bring in a DP. I mean, it's such an important spot in the field and it's, and maybe that's, one would hope that the reason this roster has such a hole in it there is because they have a big plan to fill that with a big name. And they're not worried about the fact that they've got kind of some Segura and some Strata, maybe even some Jimenez to, to fill that spot because, because Claudio knows like who they're going to bring in. That's going to be the starter every match there. The alternative to that is they were planning on Joe Corona playing there and <laughs> Let's he's gone now. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's where he would have played in this yeah. formation. So, uh, it's, I honestly kind of think it's more that option right now, but Claudio said that he's got five or six names at each position that they're looking at. So it's not like, like I said, I don't think missing out on Joe Corona is a huge, a huge deal. So we'll find someone to go in there, but I imagine that's who they were planning on playing there at first. Um, moving into the attacking midfield three in this four, two, three, one, I've got uh, in Starting at the number 10 spot, I've got Cecilio there. Um, I'm kind of hoping and thinking that we'll sign someone else as a number 10. Cecilio will play on the left wing. Uh, but who knows? He he has played in that spot kind of as like a second striker, like, like underneath a striker at Guarani. He's also played on both wings. I think his best spot is on the left wing kind of um, that winger striker position where he moves in and kind of acts as a playmaker from the left wing. Uh, so I'm kind of hoping we find a more pure number 10 to be in that 10 spot and then have Cecilio on the left wing with the ability to kind of float around and cut in. So, uh, but for now I have him playing at the number 10 just because of the, the options that are available. Um, do you have a spot that you would like to see Cecilio play in? Well, I like I like him on the left because it seems like that's where he can make the most difference. And then I don't know what the flexibility. So I see here you've got Redis on the right, which I think is mildly terrifying um, for him to be like in the starting eleven right now. But like, what flexibility does Gallagher have? Or Gallagher I guess, can play on both sides. He's he's actually a, a good crosser of the ball with both of his feet, um, and he's played some right back and some wing back and uh, played on both wings, and so. Um, Gallagher can play on either side. And I, I, I like that about him that, um, I don't, I don't think he'll be a starter, but he is an option on either side and can, can do a good job on either side. So, uh, you could, you could, and then Redis has also played a lot on the left side. So you could switch those two. Um, I've got, yeah, like as Jeremiah said, I've got Redis on the right-hand side, Gallagher on the left-hand side. And then, uh, Stroud is someone who's played pretty much everywhere in the midfield, like not a number six, but he's played like centrally. He's played as a number 10. He's played out wide left, out wide right. So uh, he could kind of go in anywhere. I'm not really sure where they're hoping to use him, but really 
any of those those winger positions are really flexible. You could put Segura there as well. Segura, I think probably his strongest spot is on that right wing where I have Reddit. So I could even see if we bring in another central midfielder, um, moving Reddit, like moving Segura to that right wing and having Reddit either play on the left or um, just be on coming off the bench um, behind Segura. But uh, really like a lot of those, those positions are, are flexible. And I think that's by design. I think that's something they want. They're going to want those guys to play off of each other and be able to move around and um, be positionally flexible. So um, did you have any other thoughts about the, those, those positions? Well, let's talk, let's talk about Houston at the number nine and then just about the attacking um, formation in general. Cause I think, I mean, I think you said you're you're fine with him going into the season as a starting number nine and then relying on him as a target forward. Is that, did I read that right or hear uh, that right? Conditionally, um, <laughs> if we bring in like a stud number 10, if we have Reynoso or uh, Zellerion, like that level of player as a number 10, I'm okay with Houston as our starting number nine. But with the, if we're going into it with this team now, I'd be a little bit nervous having uh, Houston be the person we're relying on with goals. Uh, that being said, I, like if we have a, a really strong number 10, in the centrally there. And then Cecilio out on the left, having those, because Houston's a really good, really good at combination play, kind of moving into midfield, playing off of people. And so um, Cecilio is really good at that as well. And if we have a really good number 10 kind of pulling strings and making those killer passes, that could be a really good combination. So I, I like that if there's another piece there, but if we're going into it, kind of not really knowing who's going to be that playmaker, I don't feel as comfortable with Houston as like our main guy at the number number nine spot. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I see with this this whole front four right now. Is there's like I don't know where the goals. We talked about this, I think before, but like I don't see where the goals are coming from without adding somebody that's really able to create and make a difference um, and really move it around. Because there's just like none of these guys have a real strong history of scoring a ton. I mean, it's always been the like even on Cecilia, that's sort of the criticism, right? Is he's got a lot of talent and he's got a lot of motor, but he's never really turn that into a lot of goals. I think Houston's the same way too. And then, um, what Gallagher, what did Gallagher scored for to lead Atlanta last year? Is that, was that what it yeah, was? He's Atlanta's leading scorer in 2020 with four goals. And he didn't even start until the summer. I don't think. <laughs> so yeah, I feel like we might struggle a little bit up top of this lineup, but again, that's where your money and your names are going to come from. Probably are, are going to be attacking players. So if you're right, yeah. strong through the middle and strong at the back, then it's probably going to be okay. Yeah. So looking at this lineup, how many, how many of these players would you say are nailed on starters? Uh, five. They're five for me. Tarbell, Sweat, Lima, Ring, Cecilio. Yeah, I would agree with that. And then I would give like Cascante and Romagna, like half of one. One, I think one of them are going to start. Yeah. So I would, I would say probably six of these players are going to be starters. Uh, which means we have the the money and the international slots and all of that to to fill the rest of those spots. Um, I think we should maybe take a quick break and then we'll come back and talk about the rest of those spots. Does that sound okay, Jeremiah? Yeah, let's do that. All right, cool. We're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back with what we see happening with the rest of the roster. Capital City Soccer Show is brought to you once again by our friends at FBF Law, the official injury lawyers of Austin FC. 
FEF is a different kind of personal injury law firm dedicated to community transparency and client education. And we can say with authority that they are listeners to the show. We got this very sweet email um, from Aaron, one of the partners at like 6.20 in the morning when the last show came out, thanking us for the read and, you know, for being good, uh, being good podcast partners with their, with their first ad. Um, and we're happy to talk about it on the second ad too. And I'm super impressed that he had like already listened to the show at 6.20 in the morning. So he's obviously better at getting out of bed and getting started than I am. <laughs> yeah. Also today in the mail, I got uh, FVFs. They apparently do a calendar every year. And so I got a calendar in the mail and it's like pictures of them and their families. And a bunch. it's mostly dogs, but it's a dog on each month. And then I think it's all of their, their employees, dogs and their families and stuff like that. So that was a really nice touch, but that's, that's just like kind of a testament to what kind of what kind of people uh, the folks at FVF are, and uh, yeah, we're we're really happy to be partnering with them. Um, to find out more about what makes them different and why understanding your legal options can dramatically change the outcome of a case, you can visit fvf.law. That's fvf.law. back. So uh, before the break, we were discussing how we think we have probably five or six starters on the team already, which uh, leads us to our next topic is how are we going to fill the rest of those spots? So um, where, like at this point, should we worry about where we're at, Jeremiah? I think we should be cautiously optimistic. Like it's not time to worry, but I don't think we've hit a home run yet. Um, but we did some research um, just because like with everything in MLS, you kind of need to understand all the details of the roster rules and looked at what we have left. And so we'll kind of go through a few of these examples and where we may or may not need to worry. So we have five international slots left, I believe, with Club RD occupying three of those. Um, but the interesting thing that, that we talked about is at least what a couple of our other not, uh, you know, people that we know are going to be starters are international players because they have green cards. They don't count for international roster slots, right? That's correct. Ring. Uh, let me pull it up. It's going to be so Husin, uh, Cascante and Ring are the three. Cascante, yep. Ring. Um, yeah, those are they're They are not American players, but they have green cards, so they do not take up an international slot. Um, so that's what, whenever we're saying international slots, the three that are taken up are all from the, the players from Guarani. So Romagna, uh, Redis and Cecilio. So we've got five more of those that we can fill. We can also sell those for allocation money if we aren't going to use them all. But, um, I would, I, 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 I will, I see Austin FC using all of them more, more than likely if maybe they'll leave one available available to sell, but I would imagine they'll want to use all of them. And that's, that's interesting because typically people will, for the most part, these slots are going to be slots are going to be filled with big name players. They're usually going to be, there's where your DPs come from. So you can expect it compared to your average roster slot. These are going to be sort of the bigger names where you're going to get more of the starters typically or out of these international slots. So um, then that will hopefully help us build a roster out. Um, one of the other things that we've, heard people talk about on Twitter and other places is that we have 20 slots in the senior roster and 15 players. Um, and I think a lot of people worry that we only have five spots left for starters, but we went deep into the MLS roster rules and there's a supplemental roster with 30, 30 total slots. There's 10 more 
spots, and I don't think we necessarily need to get into all the painful details of them, but generally the first eight are, um, so slots 21 through 28 are senior players. They tend to be on minimum salaries or they're very young. Um, they're either, they tend to, a lot of times they'll be homegrown players, Generation Adidas players, or people that came up through the USL Super Draft, which I think, you know, you said was either young guys or, guy, or guys that are happy to have a job is how you characterize yeah, those spots. it's like le- league minimum guys or uh, guys that are like some special mechanism like Generation Adidas or homegrown where they should be, they should be and are making more money, but they don't count against the cap the same way that other players do, which is why they're able to fit into these, these slots. So, um, yeah, that's, that's how I read it anyway. (laughs) Yeah. And then you see super draft, like we're going to have four picks in this year's super draft. All those players will sit in the 21 to 28 slots on the roster there. They won't necessarily have to be, um, in the first 20. And then the last two, um, spots, slots 29 and 30 must be filled with homegrown players. And one might think because Austin, largest academy oldest academy team is 15 we wouldn't necessarily have any homegrown players but that is not the case because homegrown does not necessarily mean homegrown by the club that they're playing for now yeah you can apparently buy homegrown rights which is a thing that i don't fully understand how it works but you uh you had someone tell you that the like the sell-on benefits of a homegrown do not apply if you buy them it's essentially just like your salary your salary cap hit um, right benefits that you're getting by buying the homegrown rights from another team yeah and and then you know there's a they can eventually age out of them and that's you know there's there's all kinds of things like that but so i looked um you know at miami and nashville because they were the most recent additions and so miami had three homegrowns in their roster and nashville had two uh this year and i don't think we have anybody right now that fits within that criteria, but you know, future acquisitions may be able to do that um, and sit in those positions on the supplemental roster, but maybe also provide some benefit to the senior club. Yeah. And so as Jeremiah said, like the super draft people will sit in there, but I think, I think all that to say that although we have five senior roster positions left, um, there there's a, a realistic chance and like a probability that someone in that supplemental roster, like that list of eight to 10 people in the supplemental roster spots um, will, will if not start, give us significant minutes in 2021. So um, you, you looked up some, some examples of guys who made um, pretty, pretty big contributions to their teams this year who are in those supplemental roster spots. Yeah, so I did that last night. I went through, and there were probably about 20 people that started, either appeared in every game or started almost every game for their club um, that were in those supplemental roster spots. And that ignored, I mean, every team had somebody that played maybe three games or five games or seven games. There were some people that um, that started a lot. I think probably the most interesting one that we ta- that we both talked about um, was Richie uh, Larea from Toronto, Um and let's we go into his background a little bit because it's also a little bit of a lesson about how, I mean, I don't know why we're even trying to predict players because I think if you <laughs> saw his history, and if we were if we were where we are now, you know, it's like we were doing a Toronto FC podcast at the start of 2019, he might not have even been a guy worth like talking about. And then he's really developed. Um, I know you know a little bit bit more about him than my, than I do. So why don't you tell tell me his story? 
Yeah, so I I was very surprised to see him just because he kind of came onto my radar probably since 2019, which was when he's he's become the 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 player that he is. But um, he was essentially playing at uh, at Orlando and was as a midfielder and was struggling to get minutes. They ended up not uh, re-signing him after the 2018 season, I believe it was. Um, he signs for Toronto. They move him to right back, and then all of a sudden he's a nailed-on starter for Toronto and a nailed-on starter for the Canadian national team at right back. So he's been really, really good the last two seasons. Um, and it was, yeah, just one of those situations where he was just wasn't the right fit and maybe not the right position at another team, and people didn't really rate him. They didn't really expect him to do anything, and now he's one of the better players at his position in the league and and playing like the starter for his national team now. Yeah, and I think it's interesting for us. He's sitting on the supplemental roster and probably not making very much money, or he would be on the senior roster and putting in. I think he started like thirty-five of the last forty matches for for Toronto, which is a really good team too. Because I mean, some of these guys, like Andrew Gutman, started most of the matches for FC Cincinnati, but they're terrible. So like, it's not yeah. that much of an accomplishment to do that. <laughs> yeah, Tristan Blackman is another one that stood out to me at LAFC. I didn't realize he would have been in that spot, but I don't really know his background. Did he just get signed on kind of like minimum roster? Type yeah, of it was, thing? that Did was you... the same deal too. Yeah, he was just just signed in and um, you know, wasn't really well regarded and didn't come in. Another the one I thought was interesting because they did so well is Minnesota United had three players um, that all started more than half their games who were all in the supplemental roster. So they've done a good job of really taking advantage of that as much as possible. Yeah. So all that to say, I mean, we've there's opportunity to find good players. And some of the guys that we already have that we're not rating could turn into stars uh, given in the right system, the right coaching, the right opportunities. So uh, we'll just we'll just have to wait and see. And uh, we've mentioned this before, but it's all about context. We'll whenever we start filling these these other spots, um, you might look at some of the guys we have now and think like, oh, I don't really like them starting. But if a few weeks from now there's like six of those guys that are on our bench, you look at it and say, oh wow, that's a really strong bench. Uh, and these whoever these TAM players and these DPS that we have the roster spots and the cap space available for um that's that's when the roster is really going to come together and i i think that's the main thing that i would tell people who are panicking about the roster is that we've got those two dp spots left we've got all of our targeted allocation money left which is uh, without getting too much into the details that's the money you spend on those players who are just below dp level and so um, pro- like potentially our five best players aren't on the team yet. Yeah, and to close the thing out on the supplemental roster, just if you're looking for people to bring in who might have the most potential, what I tended to see were folks that were like guys that were first round super draft picks like three or four years before, right? Like they had, somebody thought, you know, that they were good enough to make them the like at the sixth or seventh pick of the super draft and then it just didn't work out in their original place. And they went somewhere else and they found like the right mix of opportunity and, you know, system and thing that worked for them. So I think as we add free agents or we, either people from the USL or other MLS free agents, like that's something to look for is, you know, look for people who had had, had that potential and it just never worked out. Um, and one or two of those are probably going to hit and they're probably going to fill key spots in the roster and have some promise. All right. Is there anything else you wanted to cover before we wrap up, Jeremiah? Now, let's just hit a couple dates. So MLS free agency is open right now. Um, 
international free agency begins, we think, very soon. Yeah, I mean, I think signing free agents from other leagues is essentially just going to be whenever those players' contracts are up. And so uh, I did some, just kind of some sample sample roster checking. And so I looked at a couple of Mexican teams, a couple of Argentinian teams. It looks like those rosters are kind of split half and half of contracts ending in June and contracts ending in December. And so if we're looking at, uh, at Mexico, South America, um, then there could be some players coming available this winter that we could sign. Uh, looking at Europe, I think almost all of the leagues in all of Europe, except for maybe the Scandinavian countries, because their their season is a little bit different. But like, I think all English teams they'll have their contracts end at the end of June. So like June thirtieth is going to be when almost all of the players who are currently playing in Europe, if their contract is ending this year, it's going to be on June thirtieth. So those are kind of the dates for big free agency is going to be December thirty first and June thirtieth. And then the next, after that, the next thing we'll see is the Super Draft, which is on January 21st. Um, Austin will have four picks, including the first and 11th pick in the first round. Um, and I think we'll probably get pretty in-depth into that in the next show or two. Like we, um, who was it? Brandon Peterson found like a mock first first round of Super Draft, which is the kind of stuff we'd love to talk about. Um, but we, when we have more time, we can really get into depth on that. But there's a guy from Stanford that seems to have a ton of potential if it pans out. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think that's a good point to wrap up. So as always, we'd like to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We'd also ask you to visit CapitalCitySoccer.com, where Troy Bryant and Zach Mason bring you the latest in Austin FC news, including player rumors, sponsorship updates, and more. Uh, Troy recently published a 2020 year in review, just kind of looking back at everything that's happened this year. So definitely go check out that article and we'll have that linked in the show notes. Uh, Jeremiah, you have some some other updates you wanted to give. Yeah, I wanted to put a quick thing in because we're we'll be it's almost up, but Los Verdes are doing a holiday fundraiser for the Central Texas Food Bank. Um, it ends on December thirty first. Uh, we've raised fifty, I think fifty five hundred dollars so far. Um, on top of the food that we got donations for um, at the uh, MLS Cup final party at Hop Squad. Um, but we are raffling off an exclusive Austin FC vinyl album featuring a hype track from our own Adrian Healy um, as an incentive <laughs> to donate. So we've got three, it's three like single track albums. Um, one of them's mine because I didn't feel like, I mean, I love Adrian Healy, but maybe not enough to like go buy a record player just to listen to 90 <laughs> seconds of him doing like Austin FC hype. But if you have one, donate for a chance to win one. All right. Hopefully uh, everyone has had a safe and healthy holiday break. Uh, this is going to be the last show before the new year as well. So have a safe and happy new year. Even if you're just hanging out at home, don't get too wild. Uh, but yeah, we will be back next week with some more Austin, Austin FC news and hopefully some more signings. Until then, my name is Landon Cottom. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We'll catch you next time. Is around.